0: Church. Amen. I, um, I'm excited to be here. Amen. I enjoyed that word Pastor gave in the 10 a.m. hour. I believe and know that I have a word for this hour. I won't be long. Um, I hope that you will lean in to what it is God wants to do. And a lot of what Pastor unpacked for us, you know, you could take it. You could take it one of two ways. You can, you know, just kind of brush it off, or or you can accept it, embrace it, and um, be okay with carrying the weight of what the Word was. Uh, but I've got more to add to that. I've got more to add to what God laid on our hearts in the 10 a.m. hour. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to preaching this Word to you. God gave me this Word way back in November, um, and it wasn't the right time for it yet, but Today is the right time. Amen. 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 How many remember this song? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Would you lift your hands and worship the Lord today? Come on, we're going to need his love in this hour right now. Amen. We're going to need his presence in this hour. We're going to need, amen, his, his, his overwhelming presence, amen, to be with us in this hour. Amen. God, we love you today, Jesus. We pray, Lord, would you have your way, oh God, bring us back to that seat, back to that moment in time, Lord, amen, where well, we were just open to you, just to, just ready to receive revelation and inspiration from you, from the divine word, oh God, would you let your spirit speak to us this morning, Lord, That that every person under the sound of my voice, God, that they would leave this place strengthened and encouraged, understanding that they are the chosen people, that we are the chosen people, that we are your people, God, that you have called us and set us apart for this hour, for this time, for this season in in the life and and times of humanity. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would not leave this place weakened and burdened down, but that we would leave this place uh, with a backbone, God, that we would leave this place uh, with more spiritual fortitude, that we would leave this place with a reminder on our hearts, God, that you are with us, that you are for us. uh, Amen. That you've given us everything we need in your word, God. We promise to worship you give you glory and give you honor. Would you clap your hands into the Lord? <clears throat> Man, you may be seated this morning. In Sunday school, pastor opened up and we prayed, help us understand. And you know, really, whenever we, whenever we get to that, that place, where we begin to ask God, Lord, help us to understand. Help us to, to, to be aware of, of what it is you want us to be aware of. Um, open up our understanding, open up our knowledge. What we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to sit in the seat and I'm going to talk about this seat today. I'm willing to sit in this seat of divine revelation. I'm willing to sit in that position where I, I receive understanding and inspiration from you. And then even more willing to then do something with that knowledge, to do something with that divine revelation, to do something with that understanding of what it is you've just experienced. Exposed and just and just 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 wowed me with, Amen. I believe today God wants us to turn our attention upward and outward, upward toward Him and outward toward a lost and dying world. But before we get there, I want to take us on an inward reflection, inwardly uh, on what it means to be in the seat of divine revelation. You know, it's quite strange to be the, the mouthpiece of God, if you will. Uh, it's quite strange to, 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 in your prayer closet, just have God, again, open up your understanding and open up your knowledge. And, and, and then be willing to go outside those four walls, be willing to go outside that experience in that moment and share what it is God has just given you. Whether it's a, a, a cosmic revelation, like what we'll talk about with Isaiah and what we'll talk about with, with Jonah. These things where God just wowed these individuals, these prophets of old. But th- those experiences are not just for those people. You don't have to be a, a, a called or elected prophet in order to sit in this seat of divine revelation but what you do have to be is be willing be a willing vessel be, be open enough to say God if you, if you want to use me Jesus that, that old song we sing if you can use anything Lord you can use me if, if you, if you want to use me as your mouthpiece God use me as your mouthpiece if you want me to stand on the top of a mountain God and shout out amen from, from, from the tops and from the depths of my soul God use me in that moment use me Jesus to be your mouthpiece and to be your megaphone it's a quite strange and privileged thing to be the mouthpiece of God to open up your mouth and and speak on his behalf and I'm not just talking about you know our 50 page social media posts sometimes I get the I don't even have any social media but sometimes I'll get these these uh pictures and screenshots of my friends and they're sending me these things about what politicians are saying and what what uh, the latest news about Elon Musk and what he's doing in space and Mars and all this different types of stuff and it's it's like 50 pages you know Twitter has character limits for a reason. But we've kind of gotten around that, right? By posting multiple things, right? I'm not not talking about this revelation you get and then you decide to just go and post 50 pages on Twitter or or Facebook. No, no, no. I'm talking about publicly declaring what God has revealed unto you, regardless of what it might cost you, regardless of what others might think about you, regardless of what, what separation or division it might cause, but being willing. To be that megaphone, being willing to truly become God's mouthpiece at a high price and an even greater reward. You see, when we sit in the seat of divine revelation, we have the opportunity to become the embodiment of the divine word. We have the opportunity to become the the, the walking vessels of God's divine word. And it's a, it's, a, it's a privilege, but it's also a burden. And really... The way God really gave this to me was the burden of being in the seat of divine revelation. Because there is a burden that, that's associated with sitting in this seat. This burden that if you don't do anything with it, if you, if, you, if you decide to sit on the revelation, to sit on the inspiration, to sit on the thing that God has given you, the frustration alone, the stress alone of, of, of embodying that, that divine revelation can kill you, destroy you but we have the opportunity to become that embodiment. You know, parents, someday your children will become the embodiment of somebody's word. Somebody's word. Somebody's talking to them. Somebody's preaching to them. Somebody's telling them which way to turn and and how to look and and how to dress and how to think and how to be. They're going to become somebody's word one day. Why don't you let them become the embodiment of God's word and you yourself become the embodiment of God's word, his divine word. What does it mean to be the embodiment and the representative of God's divine word? It means that people will disagree with you. It means that people will look at you with with, with funny eyes and and not really truly understand exactly what it is you're trying to communicate. You think about the prophets and how they they on multiple occasions would do these outlandish things just to get the people's attention. And say, so, hey, they, there is a God who is, who is your master. He is your Lord and your Savior. If you would just turn your eyes to him, but I've, I've got to do this outlandish thing just to get your attention. Just so you can look this way and look to the master and understand what it is that he wants from his people. It means that your opinion becomes God's opinion. It means that, that when, when the popular opinion which is popular in the world is not always popular in the church and it shouldn't be the popular opinion of the world should not be the popular opinion of the church because we've got God's opinion. If you want to know the truth about something, and I've said this before, if you want to know the truth about something, you ask God his opinion on it. That's the truth of it. It means that having a superior level of openness and willingness to be inspired by God, this is what it means to be in the seat of divine revelation it means that unless you acknowledge and 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 be willing to administer his divine revelation his divine word you will die if you keep it in you will die a slow death and i'm going to talk about jonah who died a little bit in the belly of that whale because he refused to speak the divine revelation he refused to speak the inspired word of god We, too, have the same fate if we refuse to speak and sit in this seat of divine revelation. You will die from the sheer weight of having God impress upon you. The truth, the stress of not speaking, will drive you mad. Have you ever played the game? My my Levi, he loves knock-knock jokes. Every now and then he'll go, you know, knock-knock. And we know this one. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Moo. Right? Right? Because when we, when, we have, when, we, when we have something that we want to say and we don't say it, the frustration of not being able to get it out rises to the surface. And we're willing to fight. We should be willing to fight tooth and nail when something that we, we, we a deeply held belief that we have, a conviction that we have, and a revelation that we have about something, that this knowledge that we've acquired, if, if we don't get a chance to get it out, we get frustrated. The other day, I, I, I watched my boys as they were arguing about something, and I just kind of watched it. I'm a little bit, you know, I don't know, I just like to observe sometimes. So I, I sat and I watched them play this out just to see where this went. But Levi had an opinion about something. He's the five year old. He had an opinion about something. Micah, the big brother, every time Levi would try to get something out and try to say something, he would just interrupt him. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what he was saying. Just crazy stuff. And you could just see Levi going, but, 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 ah, my God. He's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But you could see that frustration rising in my Levi. And, you know, before uh, blows were thrown, I kind of stepped in and said, okay, What do you want to say, Levi? And I I gave him that opportunity to speak his divine word. (laughs) Amen. But if we don't don't speak God's divine word when the inspiration comes, amen, we, we should be frustrated in that moment. There is something that God wants us to say, something that God wants us to reveal to this world. But if we just sit on it, amen, the stress alone will kill you. It's like being right about something and not getting any credit for it because it's not you. Who said it in the first place? It's God. Now I'm going to preach this word today, and I, I'm not—I don't want any 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 uh, accolades for it, right? Because this is a word that I want, and regardless of what happens here today, this is a word that God wants His church to hear today in this hour. And however you leave this place, it, I cast my cares on Him. All right. All right. I cast my cares on him because this is the word he wants you to have. He wants you to know. He wants you to take a seat. Amen. In the chair, in the seat of divine revelation. You see, burden is meant to be shared. Exodus 18, 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter. They shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. This is Moses' uncle, Jethro, or or actually father-in-law, Jethro, talking to him and giving him wisdom about these these stiff-necked Jews, just these these people who have no knowledge about God. They've been in slavery for so long. They've been under bondage for so long. They have no understanding about God. And Jethro says, Moses, you're going to kill yourself you don't share this burden right. if you don't if you don't give these people some responsibility yeah. have them take the onus in their own hands and say i own this word i own what god wants us to become i own what god wants me to say i own what god right. wants me to be right. Moses if you don't give these people this responsibility you're going to kill yourself because burden is meant to be shared right. 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 only one man can take all of the burden and the weight of the sins of this world on his shoulders, and that was Jesus Christ. But the burden I have is not just mine. It's not just my own burden. It's for you too. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are not the arm of Christ. We are not the shoulder of Christ. We are the body of Christ. That means we need feet. We need legs. We need toes. We need two arms. We need a head. Burden is to be shared. And the burden that's in this world, the death and the pastor talked about this in in the Sunday school hour, the the, the pain and the frustration that is in this world is meant to be carried and shared on the shoulders of the church. Because we are intended to sit in the seat of divine revelation so that when, not if, when the world has questions about what happened and how do we explain this? I, I was talking to somebody this week. I don't remember who it was, but they made the comment. I don't know. It might have been Ryan, but somebody made the comment, you know, having and talking with people, people, a lot of people are upset with God about what happened. They're mad at God because 18 children, elementary children were killed. Because because some dude two weeks ago in Buffalo, New York decided that he wanted to become the living embodiment of a word that he he adopted. A word of hatred, a word of fear, a word of mistrust, a word of division that he embodied and decided to walk into a grocery store and kill people. You see, you will become the embodiment of a word. What I want you to understand is it's our time to be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation. (laughs) So that when the world comes to us, and they're upset with God, and they're mad with God, and they don't understand how God could allow something like this to happen, we can have an answer for them. But you can't answer them with the knowledge you get from from CNN. You can't answer them with the knowledge that you get outside of this word of God. You're going to have to be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation that says, this is what God says about this. This is what God says about this situation. This is how we overcome in this situation and that situation. But if you don't take a seat, then whose word are you teaching? What inspiration have you acquired? You've got to be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation so that you can then manifest what God has given you. Numbers chapter 11, verse 17, and I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take up the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. So not only did Moses get a talking to from his father-in-law, but he also got a talking to from God. He says, Moses, you're going to kill yourself. You need to share this burden. Share this revelation that you've gotten on this mountain, Moses. Give the people responsibility. But Moses pleads with God to take this burden from him. This burden of being the the shepherd of a stiff-necked people. Hard-headed people, people who don't who don't move when God says let's move east. People who don't want to move when God says let's sacrifice this way. People who don't want to move that when God says these pagan things that you you've been surrounded with and and in your whole life, your whole four hundred years of existence on this earth, yeah, those things I want to separate you from. Right. Right. But people don't want to move from there. They love sitting in the seat not of divine revelation. But in the seat of evil, if I can say it this way, evil revelation, a revelation that is not of God, a revelation that is instead of this world, we've got to be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation. What do you do when God, when God places you in the seat of divine revelation? There's a story, and we're going to read it. There's a story in, in 2 Kings chapter 8, where Elisha, the prophet, comes to Damascus, and, and he begins to have this conversation with Haziel, who was a servant to the king. Verse 7, And Elisha came to Damascus, and ben the king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come hither. And the king said unto Haziel, Take A present in thine hand and go meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him saying, shall I recover of this disease? The king wanted to know, ask the man of God, am I going to overcome in this moment? Am I going to be healed in this moment? Or am I destined to die in my sickness? So Haziel went to meet him and took a present with him. Even of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camels burden, 40 camels burden of stuff. To give to the man of God. You think you can buy your way into into healing? You can buy your way into salvation? You can buy your way into heaven? Well, look what he tells him. Forty camels burden, And came and stood before him and said, Thy son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, hath sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? Verse 10. And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover. And it would have been great if, if, the, if the musicians had come in that moment. But look at what he says. Howbeit the Lord hath showed me that he shall surely die. He lied. He said, Go go tell the king he's going to recover. But the Lord has shown me, because Elisha was one who sat in the seat of divine revelation. The Lord has told me he's going to die. But then look what happens next in verse 11. And he, Elisha, settled his countenance steadfastly until he, Haziel, was ashamed and the man of God wept. Now, Haziel showed up to receive a word about the king, something inspirational, something hopeful that he can go back to the king and tell the king, yeah, everything's going to be copacetic, king. But, I, but, but Elisha says, no, nah, he, he, he's going to die. But then Elisha has this moment where in the seat of divine revelation, he's a prophet of God. God begins to speak to Elisha. And the Bible says that Elisha, he stares, his countenance was fixed on Haziel until he became ashamed. I just imagine him. He's talking to him and he's giving him these, these words. And he just all of a sudden just transfixed on Haziel, and Haziel has got to be thinking, dude, what in the world are you looking at? But God was giving him a revelation. Go to the next verse. Haziel said, why weepeth, my Lord? Because Elisha started weeping. Why weepeth, my Lord? And he answered, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with a sword, and wilt dash their children, and rip up their their women with child. And Hazael said, but what is thy servant a dog that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, the Lord hath showed me that thou shalt be king over Syria. Is there another verse? So he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What said Elisha to thee? The king asks Haziel. And he answered, He told me that thou shouldest surely recover, perpetuating the, the lie. Verse 15, And it came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth, Haziel, dipped it in the water, and spread it on his face so that he died. Mm. Could it be that Haziel or king, the king of Syria, was gonna actually survive the sickness. But what Elisha knew, because he was in the seat of divine revelation, was that Haziel would be the cause of the king's death. You would have recovered from your sickness, but this dude that you call the right-hand man He's going to kill you. And not only that, he's going to be the destruction of your people. You're going to be king over Israel. You're going to do all of these evil exploits. He was in the seat. Elisha was in the seat of divine revelation. What you do with the revelation is up to you. You see, we have the propensity to do good and the propensity to do evil in the seat of of divine revelation or when we come out of the seat of divine revelation. You see, Elisha received and shared this vision given to hear from God. And Haziel, the the recipient of the revelation, the recipient of the vision was now responsible for doing something with that information. And instead of doing good, he did evil. There's a burden that comes with sitting in this seat. What are you going to do, church, when God gives you a word What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the revelation that God gives you? And if you want to know how to get in the seat of divine revelation, it's only up to God to put you there. God puts you in the seat of divine revelation. Pastor talked a couple weeks ago about about the the recliner that, you know, his dad had and and he had. Well, I had a recliner too, and it was mine, and it wasn't even at my house. It was at my friend's house. (laughs) Every time I went over there, I sat in that chair. I remember one time, one summer, I went to his house and I slept in the recliner. He had a room for me upstairs, but I slept in the recliner. All I needed was a blanket. That was my chair. (laughs) This is God's chair. And you only get in this chair if he puts you in the chair. God puts you in the seat of divine revelation. And here's what it's like to be there. You see, there are three actors Three types of people that I believe have an opportunity to sit in this seat. The first first is the purest. The purest, the one who who tries to live by this word. Every jot and tittle. Every, Every period, every exclamation point, every word. Right, it's like a beautiful sheet of music a piece of music if you're going to cover a piece of music uh we we had a guy here once before at our church who was he who was gung-ho about playing the music the way it came off of the album y'all probably knew i'm talking about it was gung-ho about that he was a purist he wanted nothing he didn't want to change the music this is what the purists are the purists they sit in the seat of divine revelation and they say okay I hear you, God. I hear what you're telling me. I feel what you're telling me. I see what you're showing me. And they go out and they live it and they preach it and they speak it. And again, not only in the, in the idea or in the concept of this cosmic revelation, but what about the revelation that God gives you when he shows you and and, and, and uncovers for you the nuances of your loved one's personalities? This is the way your like, your wife likes to be spoken to. This is the way your husband likes to be handled or dealt with, right? What about in those moments when God speaks to you and he says, treat your loved one this way, your son's or your daughter's personality is this. And and if you parent this way, you might lose them. What about in those moments? Are you willing then to to come out of the seat of divine revelation and say, Hey, this is how we're going to live. This is what we're going to be doesn't have to be a cosmic vision. Please understand what I'm saying. God will give you insight and inspiration and revelation so that your life can be different, so that your life can be changed. But it's not just a word for you. It's a word for the world. It's a word for you to embody, to live, to become. But you've got to get it from the seed of divine revelation. Are you willing to be a purist, one who will embody the burden and the yoke of truth. Mm. The second type of people that sit in the seat are those who are willing to go off script, intentionally and malevolently willing to alter the divine word, willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation, not for God's purposes, but for their own purposes, their own gain, their own, if you will, greed. Maybe they receive the invitation to sit in the seat of divine revelation, but instead of, instead of humbly walking towards the seat of divine revelation, to be in a position and, and a posture to receive from God, maybe they kick the chair over because they don't reverence it. They don't, they don't want to be a part of it. Right, right. I want to buck this, this, this idea that God has for me. I don't, I don't want anything to do with what God wants me to be. These people are dangerous because they're willing to promote their own manifest manifestos. They're willing to promote their own hate, their own fear, their own division, their own ideas about what it means to live in this life. You see, these people who are willing to speak contrary to the divine word or to the divine revelation are a whole other sort of evil because they know the truth and they speak differently. They know the truth and they twist it. They know the truth and they, they, yet still they cause confusion. These people are dangerous. But there's one who's even worse than this. The third group of people are those who don't say anything. They don't speak for God and they don't speak against evil. And I, will, I, will, I want to go back to something I said earlier. You can either be crushed by the weight of the revelation by doing nothing, saying nothing, or you can speak the revelation and allow it, allow the divine word to do the crushing on the evil in the world. Your choice. Which end of the stick do you want to be on? I want to be that one that says, God, use me. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, to to be inspired by the divine word, to be inspired in the seat of divine revelation so that when I come out, I can hopefully make some change in my world. I can hopefully speak truth and answer, answer tough questions that only the word of God can provide an answer for. Amen. Jonah had a revelation to share and he didn't. And it was only because of God's resurrecting power was he given a second chance to speak the divine word? Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Verse 5. The waters compassed me about. Even to the soul, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah. I don't know about you, but there ain't no oxygen in the belly of a whale in a closed environment. And I couldn't have been there because I got claustrophobia. I tell you what, I'd have been cutting and jabbing and everything. Don't put me in no fish. I'm going to get out somehow. Amen. But he died a little bit because he ran away from the word. God put him in the seat of divine revelation. And he said, I'm not going to do it, God. But God has a way (laughs) oh he has a way of bringing that word out of you so why not just go ahead and be willing be a willing vessel in the forefront why not go ahead and be a willing vessel in the beginning why not go ahead and say God if you can use anything you can use me and I know, I know what it's like to be if you've ever sat in the seat of divine revelation. I know it's, it can be scary. It can be, it can be draining. It can be frustrating. It can be dreadful. It can cause you to doubt whether or not God himself has even called you. Is this really what you want me to say? You really want me to hurt my family's feelings by speaking the truth? Huh. The only thing God is saying, the only thing I want from you is to speak the truth. Yes, I know that's deep. Regardless of what happens, you speak the truth. You speak the truth. I've given you revelation. I've given you inspiration. Now you go out and speak it. And don't even don't even just speak it, but you go out and live it. Go live it and let the rest fall where it will. I'm, I'm still in control. You're my vessel. I'm still in control. That's what God wants his church to know. Isaiah received his call to be a prophet in a cosmic vision. And God told him that the purpose of his prophecies would be to rush along the judgment that God had set forth for his people. Can you imagine being Isaiah, being invited to sit in the seat of divine revelation? And as you crawl your unclean way to this seat, God says to you, the purpose of these visions, the purpose of these prophecies that I'm going to give you is to rush along the judgment, not to stave off the judgment, but to rush it along, to actually cause it. Can you imagine being and having that responsibility? It's a great burden. It's a great and sore and terrible burden, but it's a privileged burden. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 12. Isaiah says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here I am. Or him, here am I. Send me. And he said, go and tell this people. Here's what you tell the people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy, shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and and ears with and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? How long do you want this? These prophecies to go on. And what you end up realizing is that for about 15 chapters of the book of Isaiah, it's just all woe, gloom and doom. And who knows how long that that went on? But look at what God says. He says, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Isaiah, the purpose of your prophecies is to bring about the destruction of your people. Are you willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation? Are you willing to be that vessel, Mm -hmm. willing to be that one, to speak gloom and doom, (laughs) but then also be willing to speak hope at the end? Would you still be willing to speak, or would you choose to say nothing for fear of what it might do, for fear of what it might cause? isaiah even recognized that his lips were too unclean to even be able to speak the divine revelation but he too received a bit of resurrecting power or 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 divine resurrection or renewal when the hot coals touched his unclean lips. He said, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. How, how powerful to understand that before you even sit in the seat of divine revelation, it's going to require you to say some things. It's going to require you to, to use these lips to, to speak against things, to, to speak for things, and, and to, to cause some and upset culture. Isaiah said, these lips are too unclean. I know I'm going to have to say something. And the Lord says, I got you covered. How many of you want some hot coals on your lips? Come on, raise your hand. (laughs) Nobody. Amen. But God cleansed them. Amen. How great and terrible and sore it is to sit in the seat of divine revelation. But it's a privilege to be able to sit in the seat of divine revelation. Isaiah provides us with a string of prophecies. And I'm I'm wrapping up. Isaiah provides us with a string of prophecies in his book because he spent a lot of time in the seat of divine revelation. Isaiah 22 and 1. The burden of the valley of vision. What aileth thee now that thou art wholly gone up to the housetops? This is toward the end of the string. Isaiah 22 and 1 the burden of the valley of vision. And it was this verse that God spoke to me in that dormitory room at the academy back in November. The burden of the valley of vision. Mm. This prophecy that would come out of this would actually be against Jerusalem. You see, because Isaiah chapter 13, all the way to Isaiah chapter 24, are prophecies against foreign nations, the nations, as it's called in the Bible, that that were doing just all manner of evil against God. They were not living for God, they were not for God, they were pagans, they were all these different things. But this verse was to the people, this this book, this chapter was to the people of God. And you think, well, why would God speak such gloom and doom on his people? Why would God prophesy to bring about the destruction of Jerusalem, his people? Well, it's because it's simple. It's because the people were no longer his people. They had adopted the the ways and the the lifestyles of the foreign nations. And so God said, okay, since you want to join yourself with that and be with that and connect to that, then your fate is going to be the same. Your fate is going to be the same. This valley of vision is talking about Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the seat of divine revelation. It's from this place in in the geographical world where God spoke to his people. And he spoke to his people and to other nations, calling the whole world. Because in, 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 uh, in Isaiah chapter 24, you see it's a prophecy to get the whole world back in line with the ways of God. So he calls out prophecies against Babylon, Assyria, Philistia, Moab, Damascus, Ephraim, Cush, Egypt, Edom, Arabia, Jerusalem, and Sore. All of them were gonna be judged for their wickedness. All of them were gonna be judged for their witness, their, their wickedness. And what I want us to understand today, what I want us to get, if you don't get, under, get anything else from what I just said, from what I preached today, as I close, Understand that God is causing and calling his church to maturity. He's calling us to maturity. He's calling us to be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation. Brother, if you don't mind, put in that last block of scriptures. Isaiah 28 and 5. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Next verse. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. Or in other words, who stand at the gate and deflect blows from the enemy. Isaiah 28, 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink Are out of the way. He's talking about the remnant now. Pay attention to this. They also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. He says that a lot. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Verse 8. For all tables are full of vomit. And filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Is there another one? Whom shall he teach knowledge? Oh, my God. I need you to help me, Jesus. Mm. Babe, can you open this for me? Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And he answers the question. This is why I said he wants his church to be mature. Go ahead, open it up. Just, thank you. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. This is who he wants to make understand knowledge, to understand doctrine. He wants us to grow up. Could your neighbor say, would you grow up? No, 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 really mean it like a parent. Grow up. God wants us to grow up what's happening is this. And the scripture said it. Uh, go back a couple verses. Verse 7. They also have erred through, through wine and through strong drink because they have erred, and this is sparkling, so y'all don't, don't say pastor was up there drinking. They've erred through strong drink and are out of the way. Yeah. The priest and the prophet have erred through through strong drink. You see, if, if the leaders are dead, or if the leaders are drunk, then the people are dead. If, I'll say that again. If the leaders are drunk on the world, then the people are dead. If the church is drunk on the world, then the people are dead. So, what's in this, this vision erring wine? This wine that causes the priest and the prophet to err. To, to the point where they can't even understand doctrine anymore. It caused the word to ask the question, I believe, in eight or nine. Go over one. Verse nine Whom shall he teach knowledge? We're drunk. Sometimes in the word of God, and I'm, I'm moved in the Holy Ghost here because God gave me this. He told me to do this because sometimes in the Bible, the prophets would be moved to do just dumb things. You read it and you're going, What? But they were trying to get the people to understand something. That's why one of them, I believe it was Ezekiel, laid on his side. Pastor, you can correct me later. Laid on his side for over a year to get the people to understand where they were. We're drunk on the world. We're drunk on their their ideas. We're drunk on their confusion. There's confusion in this bottle. There's lust. There's greed. There's frivolity, frivolousness, things that we concern ourselves with. I'm going to pick on those guys we were with yesterday a little bit. I won't say any names we were having a conversation about whether or not the earth was flat or round. It's frivolous. What does it matter? And it was a a debate. These are with men of God. This is what we're drunk on. Frivolity. Self-centeredness, and yeah, it's messy. But this is what we do every day. But what makes it worse come here As we then go and we give this bottle this vision airing bottle to our children Come on Come on take it drink it we force feed them we force them down his throat, <laughs> And we expect them to be holy and righteous. You've just given them the vision airing bottle. Now that day, when he attempts to sit in the seat of divine revelation, he's too drunk to even make it. Right. Right. And he's not drunk as you suppose. That's right. right. But he's drunk on the world consumed by their knowledge, consumed by their ideas. This is what we're giving to our children. Man of God, you are the priest of your home. Yeah, I need your help too, babe. Go ahead. Yep. Drink from the vision, airing wine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go see if you can sit in the seat. You can't, by the way. <laughs> you can't sit in the seat of divine revelation if you're drunk on this. The, put that verse back up. The Bible says they are <sighs> their vision has aired. The priest and the prophet of air through strong drink. They're swallowed up of wine. They're out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. If I could just get the people to understand that God is three people in the Godhead. If I could just get the people, the church to understand that it's okay for you to sleep with another man. If I can just get the people to understand. We can't make it to the seat of divine revelation if we're drunk on the vision, airing wine of the world. Uh Brother, I don't want it to just be good preaching. (laughs) I thank you for that, but I want it to grip your soul. Pastor, I'll change those towels out later. I know it's sticky, but you can't. You can't get back to the seat if you've spent all week drinking from the vision airing wine bottle of the world. You can't sit in the seat of divine revelation if you've already been in the seat of contrary revelation. Things that are contrary to the Word of God. Let's stand today. The Bible says there is no place to sit. All the tables are full of vomit and filthiness. There's no place to sit, if I could say it this way. There's no place to sit and receive divine revelation. The whole table is full of filthiness. The whole table is filled with confusion. The whole table is filled with Christians who are still drinking milk. And vomiting all over the place. Because they're getting their full. On the world's milk instead of the meat of the world. An imitation has been made to sit in the seat of divine revelation, to be vessels for God, to be God's mouthpiece, to be God's megaphone, wants to do. I know that normally in the altar we like to take care of the needs and I want to do that right now. If you've got a need, just go ahead and lift your hands because there's something else God wants us to do. Let's just pray for the needs. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Would you let every need here today be met, God? If it be a financial need, if it be a need of healing, if it be a need of salvation, if it be a need of, of just, God, just encouragement, would you let it happen? Right now, the altars that are being created. Would you let your spirit descend on your people, Lord? Would you let your, your spirit, Lord, speak to those who who have a need and who are hungry today in the house, God? I believe that they have come and that they can leave this place having received that need. And we address that need right now. In Jesus' name. Someone Let the church say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, receive it. Receive, receive, receive what God has for you. Hallelujah. We believe with you that God has answered that need. We believe with you that God will see to it that that need be met. But what God wants to do in this place today is extend an invitation for those who will be willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation, to sit in a place where God inspires you, to sit in a place where you can and, and I don't. Ex- this this isn't this isn't about trying to get as many people as I can up here. That, that is the opposite of what I'm trying to do, and what I feel God wants to do. He wants you to be real with yourself right now. Okay? Don't be don't be a liar. Don't do it just because the pastor is saying to do it, or just to try to appease, or to be an example. No, 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 no. I want you to really think about what I'm inviting you to, because this is a great burden to sit in the seat of divine revelation. It is a great burden to be one who is willing to to go into your prayer closet and say, "God, give me and inspire me. What what is it that you want me to tell this world? How is it that you want me to speak? How is it that you want me to move?" And I'll be willing. That's what this moment is about. So these these chairs are just symbolism. They're they're they're, they're symbolic. But I want you to take a good look at them. We, we've been talking about chairs a lot lately, it seems like. At least take a good look at them. There's a seat with your name on it. <laughs> God is inviting you to sit in the seat of divine revelation, to be his mouthpiece. And with that, it's open. Good. Who wants to come? Who wants to be the one to say, God, if you can, if you can use me, you can use anything. You can use me. God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be a vessel. I'm willing to speak the truth and love. I'm willing to, to be that, that difference maker. I'm willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation. That you might inspire me with a word so that then I can take that word, God. Do something with it. God, I want to put I want to put the bottle down. I don't want to be drunk on the world anymore. I don't I don't want to be drunk on, on, on the world's ideas. But God, I want to be in the seat of divine revelation. I want to be in the hub and that that valley of vision. Interesting that it's called the valley of vision. You can't see nothing from a valley. When you got mountains all around you. you you can see for miles you can see for years days ahead days to come as God inspires you and gives you the word says God I'm willing I'm willing to sit in the seat of divine revelation And we're not going to belabor the point we're gonna pray and then we're gonna go willing. I'm willing. If you're here, if you're at this altar, you're accepting the call to sit in the seat of divine revelation. And your prayer is, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be that vessel. I'm willing to be that person, God, that you inspire. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part.